right. Well, good morning, Hope. Again, if you are just tuning in, my name is Doug. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope, and I want to make sure that I welcome all the guests this morning, and especially those who are uh, here in person, but also we know that uh, a lot of folks check us out online before they ever come to visit us in person. So if that's you, we look forward to seeing you really, really soon. Normally we have services, one's at 9 and one's at 10.30, but once a month we'll probably do this maybe once or twice more where we're outside one time all together. And then can you believe that in a month or two it's probably going to be too hot? Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Some of the people that like it hot, yeah. I hear you. I'm just not with you. So... Well, hey, uh, in my little bag of tricks up here today, I have uh, two instruments of death. I know that excites some of you. Um, two instruments of death. And as it does get a little warmer, we move into bug season here in Arizona. Now, a lot of bugs don't know this. They don't know this, but bugs have an enemy. And that enemy is bigger and smarter and stronger than they are. And that enemy stays up late at night trying to figure out ways that we can lure bugs to their death and here's one of those tools of death right here. You may have seen one of these before. It's like a zapper swatter. Heidi and I were over at Brandon and Rahel. Uh, we were at their house for dinner a while back. And we saw this and we were like, what is that? And immediately we had to have one. Now I'll have to confess, Heidi would say she's not super athletic. But if you get this thing in her hands, you're in for a treat. Like, it's amazing. She floats around like, I don't know, a pickleball player or a... Serena Williams, watch out if there's a contest to kill mosquitoes, right? Now, the problem is, since Heidi can't be staying up all day with the swinger, swatter stuff, uh, thankfully there's other methods of death to kill the bugs, and these other methods are sort of more passive in terms that, like, the bugs come to these methods voluntarily, and the bugs have to actually choose to enter in, right? To participate in the very things that will lead to their death. I had a bunch of those out and thought, we'll just try to keep it shorter today. So I didn't grab all of those tools of death, but um, I'll show you one in a second. But, but you have to wonder, why would a bug do that? Why would a bug voluntarily choose uh, its place of, of death? And I think that, you know, the, their enemy, the bug's enemies, aren't smart enough to, we're, we're smart enough, we know we can't just say to a bug, choose death, and have the bug choose death or go away. So all of these other sorts of traps, they involve some kind of deception, right? They involve the promise of life, the bug looks at this thing and it's desirable for the eye, it's good for food, but they lead to death. And so do any of you know, I know you're out there a little ways here, do any of you know what this is? Yes, it's a bug zapper. It's a bug zapper. Um, I remember uh, a few years ago, I was up in Minnesota visiting during the summer and having dinner at a friend's house that lived out in the country. Um, summertime in Minnesota is also known as mosquito season, right? So we had to be outside in a screened porch, of course, which is one of the sad truths of living in Minnesota is it could be beautiful for a couple months of the year, but probably you're going to be sitting in a screen porch to get away from the mosquitoes. But outside of our screen porch, there was this little sound that kept going snap. Just kind of like that little electric, whatever I just did there, right? Zap. It's just zap, zap. And it sounded like a live wire, like just hitting another wire. And I finally was like, dude, what is that sound? And he said, oh, that's our bug zapper. 
And I was like, oh, and I could look over and see on the corner of the house outside where this kind of bluish purple light would attract them. And I guess the bugs see that and they see that mysterious color. And they think that's a very cool looking light. And once they get closer to the zapper and then they fly in, they get zapped. And this went on all night long, just zap, 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 all night long. It's not like any of them noticed that their buddy had been zapped and they also then went in and got zapped. They just kept doing this thing, right? And so, I know I'm weird, but I just thought about, you know, what if we get inside the head of a bug for a moment? I know, this is weird. Okay, just play along. But if I were a bug, wouldn't you just kind of go, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute, you know? Maybe, maybe I want to think like a bug. Maybe, maybe I would just wise up. Maybe I would see all the littered bodies of my impulsive friends laying there and just, you know, maybe get thoughtful and say, you know, wow, I... Maybe I won't just follow blindly the desires and impulses I have. I, I notice, you know, all my friends, they keep getting drawn into this, but they never come back. That's weird. So maybe, maybe I'll consider just the high price that I would have to pay if I too decide the experience of a close-up at this big, beautiful light might be. But you know this, right? No bug apparently ever does this. No bug does that or thinks that way. I kind of wonder if bugs aren't thinking, hey, you know what? I know what I'm doing. I'm strong enough, I'm smart enough, I'm clever enough to handle this attraction without getting burnt. I am not going to pause for reflection. I'm a buzzy kind of guy, I'm free to be. So all night long, we're sitting there and I just, all night, zap, 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 all night long while we're out there. And it made me think of a, the Skeeter version of Proverbs 14, 12. Uh, Skeeter version would be, there is a way that seems right to a bug but its end is what? Death. Death, there you go. I mean, only a bug would be that stupid, right? Only a bug would go flying mindlessly into the way of death that's already zapped millions of other bugs. And so we come to this line in our series on the Lord's Prayer that we've been calling Pray Like Jesus. And the line this week is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And at least part of the reason that God tells us to pray this way is that I think so many times we forget about temptation. And Jesus knows that temptation is so dangerous that he wants us to, when we pray, remember to pray about not being drawn into temptation. See, it's not just bugs who are foolish enough to be magically drawn to the zapper. See, that shimmering light of temptation, it glows in front of every human being. There's a new mic and everything. That light glows in front of every human being. And the more high profile or public somebody is, the louder the zap is for all to hear, right? Political leaders, zap. High-profile pastors and theologians and apologists and church leaders, zap, zap, zap. Movie stars and wealthy athletes, zap, zap, all the time. But it's not just them. It's all of us. It's, it's stay-at-home parents, it's IT managers, construction workers, accountants, school teachers. Zap, 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 zap. It happens all the time. Now, I want to show you another instrument of death. Let's see if I remember to put it in here. I did. Another instrument of death right here. Um, does anybody want to guess what kind of bug this catches? Yes, human, human bugs, right? 
Now, um, my contention in the Garden of Eden that the fruit in Genesis, that it was a pomegranate, but we couldn't find one. Apparently, they're out of season. So we went with this big red apple. And we know from the book of Genesis that in chapter 3, verse 6, it tells us that when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing for the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she gave some to her husband, who was standing right next to her, with her, and he also ate it. Zap. Just zap right there. And every time that you and I read about a person who has fallen into temptation, or destroys their life, their ministry, their marriage, breaks up a family, shatters the trust of the people around them, we kind of have to wonder, how did that happen? Especially if they're high profile, how did that happen? And why do why do we do that? Why do we do that stuff? Why do we choose, and now I'm gonna say we, we choose to violate our own beliefs, the values that we've built our life around. Why do we choose to give in to what we know is gonna be destructive? Seriously, why do intelligent people engage in stupid, dark actions that we know that we're going to be ashamed of when they come to light? Why do we fly towards that alluring light even when we know that it's a trap. Well, the Bible says that at least part of that answer, and this is in your notes, at least part of the answer is that we believe the lie that something other than God will meet our cravings. Uh, look at Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17 with me. Again, it's on your printed handout if you grab one of those. There's more over here if you want those. But I'll read this. It's out of the NIV. Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do whatever you want. And in short, really, that scripture is the Apostle Paul pointing out to us that our spirit and our flesh are in conflict. Now, without spending a bunch of time talking through what the word flesh means in the New Testament. I want to give you something, and I've done this before, but real quick. This is the image that when I hear, whenever I hear the word the flesh in the scripture, um, this character helps me make the connection. Um, anybody remember from Sesame Street, you know the character I'm going to say? Yes, the cookie monster. The cookie monster, right? Cookie monster from Sesame Street. Right? He, his big lines are, see cookie, want cookie, and eat cookie right there you go cookie monster by the way he's not real big on self-regulation okay he sees what he wants and he just devours it so when i see the word flesh in the bible oftentimes i kind of click into okay that's like the cookie monster piece here right see our flesh sees something that catches our attention maybe it's that beautiful woman or this extravagant car or that extra glass of wine and just like that bug zapper light we are tempted we see it, we want it, and then the choice is, do we then step into it and take it or go after it? Because when we are tempted, we do. We get to choose. Will we live, in this verse here, will we live by the Spirit in alignment with, with the new nature that we talk about here at Hope a lot, this new nature that God has given you? God has given you, if you're a follower of Jesus, he gave you a new heart. Your heart is not evil. Your heart is not wicked. You're not just a sinner saved by grace. 
No, scripture teaches that you have a new identity. You have a new nature, a new heart. You have a real identity that God placed in us. That's how we walk by the Spirit. So are we going to choose to walk by the Spirit and choose life, which God put in us as his new creation? So are we going to do that? Or will we choose to let the flesh, that cookie monster, um, you know, the flesh part of us, the impulses that we feel enslaved to, are we going to let that piece drive us? Are we going to give in to that instead? Which one's it going to be? Which choice will we make? And so we get tempted, right? And by the way, you don't have to give in to temptation. Like, we don't have to. I do all the time, okay? I'm just saying. But the truth is, we don't have to give in to temptation. So I think that understanding temptation matters to us. It's really important in our walk as followers of Jesus. And I do believe that's part of why Jesus included it in the prayer that he used as a model to teach us to pray the Lord's Prayer. And again, we're going line by line through this prayer, and that's where we landed today. Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So right here, according to Jesus, it's very important for us to be alert to temptation. And by the way, while everybody is tempted, and it's not a sin, by the way, it is not a sin to be tempted, some of the temptations that we give into, those temptations will damage your heart. In fact, other temptations, certain temptations, can eventually destroy you or those around you. So for the rest of our time, in just looking at temptation, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want to read together, this is on your notes as well, by the way. I want to read together kind of one of the classic passages on temptation in all of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. And in fact, I, I encourage you this week, this whole chapter is just excellent. I encourage you this week to, to just read this on your own. But we're going to read verse 13 out loud together. So if you found it in your notes, good and strong. Whoop, and there it goes. Holy smokes. That's bad. I shouldn't lose my notes. Hang on. Oh, thank you, Heidi. Thank you, thank you. I don't have it memorized, so thank you very much. <laughs> All right, let's read this together. Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So what I want to do in the rest of our time is just walk through these three observations from these three sentences of this verse, and they help us understand temptation just a little bit better. And the first one comes from the very first sentence of this verse. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Now what the Apostle Paul is saying here is, hey listen, expect it, right? Expect temptation. You will be tempted, so don't be surprised, don't get caught off guard. And the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray, when he says, deliver us from temptation, he's not saying deliver us from the experience of temptation, because there's no human being on the face of this earth that's been delivered from that. I mean, Jesus himself was tempted. And even when we realize that and read that, sometimes, you know, people act as if they're surprised when they get tempted. But, but it's a part of being human. It's just a part of the human condition. And in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is teaching us to pray for deliverance from giving in to temptation, which would lead to us being destroyed by temptation. 
and nobody is temptation free, which I think helps us realize that the power of temptation is, is really important to understand. For us to be able to identify and then resist temptation, it's a huge part of learning to follow Jesus and growing in our maturity as believers. Now, if you were with us uh, outside last month when we were here, remember uh, that we talked about the marshmallow experiment? The marshmallow experiment, it's a thing that, and I'll, I'll just do a quick recap for those that weren't here. Um, in the 1970s, there was this renowned, famous experiment in psychology about resisting temptation. And the way that it works is this experimenter would take a little kid and leave that little kid, just one of them in a room with some marshmallows, and they would say to the preschooler, like four years old, hey, I'm gonna leave the room. There's one marshmallow right in front of you here, and if you wait until I get back, you can have two marshmallows. But if you eat it while I'm gone, you only get the one marshmallow. And so the videos of that are hilarious. If you ever go watch them on YouTube, it is fantastic because there's a little hidden camera and the kid it's even better when they're trying hard to resist it and, and don't, but, but it's really great. Um, but this, is a, this research was a test to see if kids can resist temptation. And then what they did was they divided the kids up afterwards into a group that they said, all right, so these are the grab the marshmallow group, and we're going to track them throughout their next couple of decades. And over here is the delayed gratification, the resist temptation group, and we're going to track them as well and just keep checking in on them over the decades. Well, years and years later, the group who resisted temptation way back at the age of four, they grew up to be people who were more socially competent, more decisive, to have a higher level of self-esteem. They had less anger management problems. They had a lower rate of delinquency than the group that was the grab the marshmallow now kids. Thankfully, by the way, you can be redeemed because I'm sure I'd have been in the grab the marshmallow group and there is healing, there is hope, yes. So I want to ask um, this question, just kind of out of that picture. So what is your marshmallow? What's your marshmallow? Do you know what temptation you are most vulnerable to? What's your marshmallow? Maybe it's a box of uh, Krispy Kremes. Uh, maybe it's the letters S-A-L-E, sale. Um, maybe it's adult websites. Maybe it's a bottle. Maybe it's drug or a chemical. Maybe your marshmallow is the attention of somebody of the opposite sex. Maybe your marshmallow is the joy of passing judgments on other marshmallow eaters. Um, where are you and I, where are we most vulnerable to temptation? So we need to know what that is. It helps, it's important to be that aware. Now remember, it's not a sin to be tempted. But giving into temptation, when I do that, I'm allowing myself to turn away from this God who loves me and wants to provide for me and points the safest way to go in life, the right pathway. I turn away from that when I choose something else, and I move toward another path. See, there's a path to life, there's a path to death, and when I forsake the path that God has for me, I don't move toward life, I move toward death, and sometimes it seems small or insignificant, but these things take us away from the freedom that God has for us, the life that he offers us. But he's not like trying to just be mad, like, hey, you didn't do what I said, so I'm going to punish you. No, his heart is the heart of a good father, and he provides the best way. So will I say, okay, I trust. It doesn't seem right, God, but I will trust that what you say is best is actually true, 
And so, God, I'm going to go that way even though I really want to go this other way because I'm going to trust you even if I don't understand. When we're tempted and we choose to move away from the direction God has for us, it's, it's not a small thing. It's not a petty deal. I mean, think about this. Every time a human being is destroyed spiritually, the pathway begins through giving into temptation. So, right? Expect it. That's what's at stake. Um, you are no exception to the rule. And as the first sentence here in our 1 Corinthians 10, 13 verse says, hey, no temptation has overtaken you that isn't common to humankind, right? Temptation happens. It's common to all, so expect it. Now let's look at the second sentence in this verse. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, I think this, this sentence in the verse is really good news and bad news, right? The good news is God knows just how much you can bear, and he's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond that. Now, the bad news, then, is that when I do give in to temptation, there is nobody else to blame. There's nobody else to blame. I can't blame God. I can't even blame, you know, just my flesh or my desires. I can't blame the devil, now, by the way, the devil does have a role in temptation, and I plan to talk about that more next week. But when I give in to temptation, even if it's outside forces that are tempting me, it's nobody's fault but mine. It's nobody's fault but mine. Now, check out James chapter 13. I'm sorry, James chapter 1, verse 13. I believe this is also in your notes. This talks about what I just mentioned here. Verse 13 says, When tempted... No one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Now, this passage here, again, it just reinforces the idea that when I give in to temptation, it's nobody's fault but mine. See, but the Father, God, is faithful. He's not going to let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. So if we lean into him and his strength, into his resources, we can, by his power, not by our own white knuckle in it, by his power, we can say no to temptation. Now, real quick, I'd have to mention this just because this sentence is in there. This is kind of a side note, but I think it's important. This uh, sentence here that we just read uh, um, from that 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where it says, God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Um, sometimes people misuse this verse, like well-meaning Christians turn it into this cliche to help people understand suffering, and they'll say to a suffering person the false cliche, God, God won't give you anything that you can't handle. And I just want to point out that the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible does not say that. First of all, first of all, your suffering isn't usually something that God gave you or put on you, okay? Second of all, you're not supposed to be able to handle all the junk that comes your way. You can't handle it. You need God. See, this verse here is not about suffering. It's about temptation. And God knows just how much temptation that you can bear. It, it reminds me of, um, of uh, some physical therapy I had to go through. I had a, a shoulder surgery, long, terrible, stupid story behind it. But eventually I got this 
shoulder surgery. It was the first year of our marriage, and my wife earned sainthood long before that, but she confirmed it right then. I was not a good patient. Um, eventually, I went and got the physical therapy for my, for my shoulder, because I was going to need to be able to, to move it and do what I have to do. And, and you know, once in the beginning, they're pretty easy on you, but as it goes, the idea for this physical therapist is to kind of increase your motion and your strength and get you back to where you were supposed to be. And I remember eventually I'd get to a place where I'd be like, okay, I am done right here. This is, and my trainer, my physical therapist would say, hey, listen, you can do two more reps. And in my mind, I honestly was just saying kind of bad words to him, right? <clears throat> but I did it anyway, I did it anyway. And you knew what, you know what, he, he was right. He was right. And this was just an amazing thing to me. I don't know how he knows, but he knows just how much I could bear. And I'll tell you something, it ain't much. It ain't much, but he knows. And, and friends, God knows how much temptation we can bear. God knows. I don't know how he knows, but he just knows. That's a promise from this scripture. God knows that when it comes to temptation, you and I, need to know and we can know that we have a really good trainer we have a really good physical therapist if you will who is with you all the time and he watches you real close and he knows how much you can bear which is really good news but it also means that there aren't any excuses that i get to throw out there on this temptation deal because i i don't have to give in i don't have to now let's look at the last sentence of this verse says, but when you, in fact, let's read this out loud. It's in your notes under a way out. The last sentence of this verse says this together, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. Now that's really good news right there. When you're tempted, it says here that God himself will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So you don't cave into it. God will make a way out for you. And I was listing out some of these ways out, and I really just, there are several, but the one that seemed most powerful that I wanted to talk about is one of the ways out that God provides is through the body of Christ, right? Through the, the family of God, where you and I need to develop protective, authentic, grace-centered relationships. And I'm going to call it healthy accountability and I want to put a little caveat on that healthy accountability because so many times people under the, in the name of Christian accountability have turned it into shame, pressure, things that don't look like Jesus at all. So people turn accountability into something that eventually repels the other person because it feels like they've always got the police looking over their shoulder. And I'm telling you what, God doesn't operate like that towards us, so why would we do that towards each other? We need to learn what healthy, grace-filled accountability, which I prefer to think of the word protection, right? I have a group of guys, two different groups of guys that I meet with regularly, at least once a week, where they, there is nothing hidden in my life from these guys. And when I blow it and when I screw up in small ways or big, they don't come down hard on me and shame me. They remind me of who I actually am, who scripture, who scripture says I am, what God says is true about me. They don't come in. So I'm, I still don't enjoy confessing when I've been an idiot to my wife, to my guys, right? I still don't enjoy that. 
but I know that they are looking out for me and they have the best for me and they're not going to try to pressure or shame uh, me into right behaving. They're going to remind me of who Christ says I really, really, truly am. And so I need, I need those guys. I need those people. We all need to have people like that in our lives because the temptation is for you and I to be involved in hiddenness, in darkness. And when you and I are in the dark hiding that thing that we don't want anybody to see, I just got to say this as frankly and directly as I know how. If you think that you can handle that sin or that temptation on your own in the dark, you're deceiving yourself. See, part of the mechanism God provided for you and I to live free and authentically and honestly is to live and walk in the light with other trustworthy Christians. And again, a lot of times somebody's been in a relationship like this with a Christian and they've gotten burned. And I'm saying, I get it. That sucks. It's happened to me as well. But we can't give up on it. We can't give up on it because it is one of the ways God provides that leads us to life. We need other people to help us even protect ourselves from ourselves, to protect ourselves even from the temptations we know we're vulnerable to. Now, one preacher uh, tells a story about his mom and says, he says that his mom told this story on herself. And for her life, his mom's life, there was this time, this era in her life where her big temptation involved shopping. So she wanted to get some, you know, help, some accountability on this, some support. So she decided to tell her husband, I can't give in to that temptation anymore. And so husbands, are you not surprised that he agreed to be helpful? Like he was actually rejoicing, right? Um, but the problem was the next time she came home, right after they had talked about what she's going to do if she's tempted, there she was with a bag and in it was a new dress. And her husband said, honey, what is going on? I thought you were done with this temptation thing. The next time that you were alone, you know, in the store, you were going to resist temptation. And when you felt temptation, didn't you say you were going to say, get thee behind me, Satan, and, and flee, right? And the wife said, well, I actually did. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. And, and he said, eh, looks pretty good from back here, too. I'd buy it. <laughs> I kind of doubt that really happened that way, but I like the story anyway. But here's, here's the deal. Like, here's the deal. If you or I try to handle temptation on our own, we will fail. We need somebody to walk with us. We need somebody trustworthy who will have our back that we can go to and say, hey, I want you to know what my marshmallow is. And I want you to ask me how it's going uh, regarding my marshmallow on a regular basis. I give you permission. I give you an open door into my life. See, when you're tempted, when we're severely tempted, we need somebody to be able to call. Now, 12-step programs like AA are fantastic with this, and, and with um, Celebrate Recovery, it's really good. They talk about having a sponsor, like a sponsor that's available pretty much any time, day or night, or they're going to get back to you as quick as possible, and everybody needs one of these. You need somebody that you can call and say, hey, I want this marshmallow really bad right now. And you need somebody that can say back to you, hey, don't go for that marshmallow. It's, it's going to hurt you. It might even kill you. Listen, let's get together. Let's talk. Let's pray. I want to remind you that you want something more and better than that marshmallow. So don't fall for it right now. Now, friends, this is one of the big differences 
between genuine community, which is what we believe God has called us to here at Hope, genuine community, genuine biblical community, and pseudo-community, fake, fake community, which too many churches fall into that fake community. They're not authentic. Even though they have worship services that are really flashy and they have great ministries and programs, but in pseudo-community, everybody pretends like they don't have a marshmallow problem. Have you ever been to a place like that? Right? They pretend they don't have a marshmallow problem. You might find somebody who says, yeah, I had a weakness for marshmallows once, but you know, now I'm really strong. I'm past all that stuff. To which any smart person goes, yeah, okay. <laughs> we don't believe that. See, but in authentic, in authentic community, people know that they're just one marshmallow away from a real mess. It's like saying, listen, there's this little cookie monster that's not the truest me, not the true me that God says I am, but there's this cookie monster flesh that still craves that thing strongly. Will you, will you please walk with me right now? See, in biblical communities, that's what God's people do. We're, we're just a bunch of people with marshmallow problems. I mean, seriously, look at the person right next to you right now. Literally, turn and look at them and take a good look at the person next to you. Ready? Listen to me while you're looking at them. They have got a marshmallow problem. They have a serious marshmallow problem. You offer them one of those things, they are in deep weeds, okay? And, by the way, you know what? They are sitting next to somebody with a marshmallow problem. That'd be you or me. And in churches where people pretend like they don't have a problem, it just leads to death. See, again, this is not about going to people with pressure and guilt saying, you've got to get it right. That's fake accountability. People get sick of the shame that gets put on them with fake accountability, and they run and hide for good reason, because you're not there to scold the person when they blow it. You're there to encourage them and remind them of what they really want and who they really are according to what Scripture says about their truth heart and in churches like that where grace and truth break through and people can be a part of little communities of, of small groups of, of ministries where they can get past that faking they can be honest they can say to each other you know what I've got to struggle and I know that I need brothers and sisters to protect me and help me grow see that's what God intended with the body of Christ, with the family of God. And there is so much power in that kind of spirit-filled, grace-anointed community. So here's my question for each one of us. Who is it that knows what your marshmallow is? Who do you call when you want, you know, a marshmallow <laughs> really bad? And if you don't know, if you can't come up with a name like that right now, then I want to challenge you to start praying today because if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you need somebody like that in your life. You need to pray, God, would you bring me somebody like that in my life? Help me know what the next step is so, so that I can get to know that person well enough to trust them deeply and share what I need to share with them so I'm not alone in this struggle. If you don't have somebody, Make a decision between you and God today that you will find and name that person and begin to walk together with that person. And by the way, if you do have somebody like that in your life, 
that, that knows your stuff, um, take some time this week and, and, and tell them how it's going with your marshmallow, right? See, this is one of the fundamental ways out that God has provided. He will give you a way out, authentic relationships, where, where if we are totally honest with nothing hidden, we protect each other. We protect each other. We call each other into the true version of who we are in Christ. See, God says that you are a child of God, that you have a new heart. You actually have been given a good heart. You can be free of the allure of the zapper or at least giving into it when it starts to draw you. You don't have to always give into it. You could be free. But part of it is understanding. What is the temptation that I succumb to? And what am I going to do to partner with the way out that God gives me? Worship team, will you, will you guys come? As we wrap up, wrap up this morning, I just want to say this in kind of summary. You know, temptation does. Again, it comes to all of us. We need to expect it. And again, it's not a sin to be tempted. But, but when we are drawn to that glowing light, when that cookie monster flesh in us decides that it wants to be the chooser, we could zap ourselves, and when we get zapped, because we've been drawn to this thing that's destructive again, we are choosing the things that suck the life out of us instead of the life and joy that Jesus offers. See, his life and joy, it's ours for the taking. We want to choose that instead of the things that harden our hearts and numb our souls. So we do expect temptation, but we have to know that we don't have to give into it. See, friends, God is with you in every temptation that you face, and he gives you a way out. And again, one of the most reliable ways out of that trap is to be fully honest, to live with nothing hidden in a community of grace with another brother or sister in Christ. Now, I know that every one of us here wrestles with this temptation business. And I know that some of us are wrestling with it big time right now. And I just want you to remember something. I want you to think about this, this uh, zapper here, right? The next time you face temptation, and maybe it'll be five minutes from now, just remember the picture of what giving into temptation does to your soul and mine. Because some of us might be flying for it right now. And I, I just want to say, don't do it. Don't do it. God's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He's going to make a way out. So will you take the way out that he gives you? And maybe you've been battling temptation for a long, long time. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe the truth, maybe the truth is the battle isn't going that well for you at all. Maybe you've not even been making much of a, a decision to battle anymore because you've been through it and failed and been through it and failed. Maybe you're even wondering right now, because you've been through it and failed, if there's enough grace for you. Is there any hope? Maybe you're wondering, is anything ever going to get better in this area? And friends, I have to tell you, the answer is yes. Yes, there is grace for all of us. There is freedom. There is freedom from, from our addictions. There is hope to get free. And at any moment, this is part of the beautiful, amazing grace of God, at any moment you can turn towards God and receive forgiveness for each and every sin, no matter how bad it seems to you. 
So we want to close this song with this service with a song of surrender, and the words are in your printout. See, friends, we do. We fail, and God's mercy is unending. We fall into temptation, but God never leaves us. He really does want to heal us and set us free.